Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. And welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And I'm excited this week because I'm meeting someone for the first time who's a professor and a consultant in strategy and leadership. Um, met through the joys of LinkedIn. So, Ron Meyer, great to have you with me um, on the podcast because uh, I love the I love the models and things that you put out there. And we'll put your LinkedIn notes on the show notes because I'm sure that other people in this would definitely like to follow you and the things that you put out. So. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself and your role for the benefit of our listeners? Sure. Thank you very much for the invitation. Um, indeed, my, my name is Ron Meyer. I'm a professor of strategic leadership at the Tilburg University in the Netherlands, and also the same position, but at the University of Antwerp in Belgium. Uh, for those of you who have ever traveled to two countries, it's like the UK and, and uh, North America, two countries divided by a common language. So a, a lot of fun working in two different countries. Um, I'm a Canadian by origin who went abroad to study, and I'm still living in, in Rotterdam, married to an Austrian wife. So I, I get a lot of cross-cultural background because of that. Yeah, um, but- and I work as a consultant with all different types of companies and all different types of industries. Out of curiosity, how do you become a, um, a professor of, of leadership? What would be the route to that? Yeah. Oh, so, uh, it, 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 I'll try to cut it short by accident. Uh-huh. Um, I, I became a student assistant for a professor. He said, I said, wow, you're quite talented in this. Could you stick around at the university for a while to help me out? And the sticking around kind of took a little longer than I thought. Uh, I decided to write a book. It became a bestseller. People said, you should do something with that talent. So, and and um, so I was never fully committed to becoming an academic. I call myself the accidental academic. And that's why I only work at the university two days a week. But, but I want to get outside and leave the monastery every once in a while to get out into practice. And I think that's actually really important, uh, particularly for our listeners as well, because it's all very well having a very theoretical academic approach to something, but we're all in the real world trying to make things happen. So yeah. keeping yourself grounded like that is, you know, I bet it really enriches your teaching, to be honest. Oh, I didn't know. Absolutely. You you probably know the old Einstein saying, so, uh, there's, uh, it, in theory, there's no, th- there's no difference between theory and practice. But in practice, there is. Yeah, very good. Actually, so, I didn't know that. So like it, that. Is, it is very important to go out into practice. Absolutely. So what we thought we'd focus in on, because obviously this is the HR uprising, is really about how HR 
can be strategic leaders, but also how they can enable uh, leadership in their organizations, whether they're large or small, didn't we? So if in terms of this as a, a sort of a starting point, um, how would you view HR within an organization or, or what do you think their role should be? Well, I, I, I love the title HR Uprising. Um, I, I hope that a lot of people rise up. Uh, I, I see in organization after organization too much modesty uh, and taking a back seat in a lot of strategic developments. Uh, somehow or another, I, even increasingly over the last couple of years, uh, HR people have become more technicians, so, so more staff type of people, uh, and very much oriented towards making sure that we have the right people on board. Um, well, I believe that what an organization really needs is people who take ownership for organization and people. Um, again, organization after organization, I see most managers are business savvy, but organizationally naive. So they, they understand the business, they understand customers, they understand their product, and they have no clue how organizations work and no clue about people. Um, but somehow or another, uh, HR people um, are being a little bit too modest uh, and, and given a lot of tasks, uh, go and find somebody, uh, talk about the salaries, uh, can stay in a very narrow operational HR type of role. And we need their voices at the table to, to help determine that strategic direction because very often directions are, are charted that are organizationally impossible. So, and then they end up and they say, oh, we have an implementation problem. It's not an implementation problem. It only shows up during implementation. You made wrong strategic choices because you kind of fantasized about all these fantastic things we could do in the market. And there wasn't, it didn't fit the culture. Say so you didn't have enough people, the skills were not there. It was wishful thinking. Good HR people could have stopped you. So that's interesting. So I was going to drill into the word you were using organizationally, and then I think you expanded on it because that can be quite a few things. So it could be about the organizational culture, as you're saying, um, there, mm. it could be about the people or the skills um, or your ability to recruit them. I'm getting, is that what it's just expanding on what you mean by organization? Uh, you know, where managers are left, don't think about those things, they think about their specialism and HR yeah. thinks about the organization, maybe not too much about the business. Yeah, no, so it, uh, you're absolutely right that we need to have a, a broader definition of organization. If you ask most business people, I, I ask them, tell me about your organization. Well, there comes the org chart. So, mm -hmm. And they'll say, well, here, so, and this is, this is where everyone sits, say, in the hierarchy. But of course, organization is much broader than that. Y yes, it is the structure, but it's also on the formal side, it's also the processes, it's how we've organized so our information flows, our decision-making flows, but still that's all the organizational design. I'm also interested in the informal organization. I'm interested in what are the networks, who talks to whom, so who influences whom, so what type of, do we have a sense of community? I would even argue leadership is mostly informal, uh, it's management is formal. We assign people to a management position, but you grow your leadership. 
So, and it's all what you bring to the job. You can't design leadership. So you have to live your leadership. Now, add to that, we also need to look at things like culture. Uh, and we need to look at not only the, the individual people we have in the organization, but we have to look at the extent to which there are, there are a certain mix, there's a certain composition, what's, what, how much diversity we have, and to what extent do they, do they actually work together? And is there a cohesion? Or are they just you know, a loose as sand? When you um, say about the leader piece and grow your leadership, have you got any sort of practical tips as to if you're in an organization trying to grow leaders or develop leaders um, as obviously, yeah. or even culture, culturally develop them? Yeah. What I find is that in most organizations, uh, people think of leaders as the people in certain positions, so, which is a, a beautiful mix up because those are the managers. So management is about a position. Leadership is your behavior. So you can be appointed to be a manager. You have to earn your leadership. People are only going to come along with you, are going to trust you, are going to let themselves be influenced by you. So if you built a relationship with them and they start to believe you, they start to have confidence in you. So growing leaders means making them clear you happen to be sitting in that chair, you're going to have to work hard to earn your leadership. It's a process. So getting those people to realize it's behavior, it's not position. And that's also true of people who are in HR. We also want them to show their leadership. And leadership means not waiting to behind your desk to somebody to run into your room and say, Lucinda, we need you, we need you. It, it doesn't happen that way. Leadership means you have to step up, says yeah, you have to get your hands dirty and you have to say, hey, uh, I have an opinion here. I, uh, listen to me, I think. And then you have to start trying to influence people and then they have to accept you. And that's how you build your leadership. So you have to really stand up. You have to be quite courageous because when you when it's interesting when you use the term modesty, I think you also hear quite a lot of people feeling talking about imposter complex and, and lacking confidence. It's not always yeah. um, there's, there's different ways in which people perhaps choose not to lead. The other thing I think it's about confidence. And actually, I'm just I've been talking to I've been doing some coaching recently with people in this position. One of the things that comes out and it links right back to your point about business is actually if you're in an HR if you're an HR professional, sometimes to have confidence, you need to really understand the different bits of the business. You mm. almost have to get your hands yeah. dirty. You have to get that commercial awareness. You need to feel the pains, understand the, the, the pains of the FD or the operations person or the sales. You need to get their actual challenges in order to be able to work out how you can add value and to make sensible suggestions. Absolutely. Just as I said a moment ago, a lot of the business people are organizationally naive. Yeah. A lot of the organizational people are business naive. You're not going to be taken seriously if you don't really understand. You don't need to know all of the, so the, 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 the small so details, but you need to be able to speak their language. So yeah. There is a huge so, um, uh, language difference between the business side and, and the people side. And somebody needs to be bilingual. Now, yeah. I'd love to, to get leaders in the organization on the business side to also learn to speak people. Mm -hmm. so, but let's at least start because that's what we can do as HR people. Let's learn to speak business because then we can bridge the gap. 
then we're taken seriously, then we're trusted. And by the way, that then comes back to your own sense of not being an imposter, because then your own confidence starts growing. You think, wait a second, I always thought this mumbo jumbo financial stuff, and I didn't really know, and I, so I didn't dare to say anything. But wait a second, it's not that difficult. I understand what they're talking about. So it makes it easier to not fall into the imposter syndrome. Yes. I mean, one of the things I think that stops people um, doing it is that they're concerned that they're going to look stupid or they feel like they're asking a silly question. Yeah, I've definitely seen people often, let's say even in a board, so you're in you're in your first board meeting or a guest at a board meeting, and sometimes it's appropriate, sometimes it's not, but you might feel you don't actually know what some bit of jargon means. And lots of people will sit there quiet and not ask. But actually, if you ask, it's surprising how many other people didn't know either so I think there's, <laughs> yeah, it's been quite, yeah. and also it's quite a good wake-up call for others when they go oh yes actually we are talking jargon so, so I think there's something about not being shy to ask what may seem like a stupid question ask the basic questions because sometimes in organizations we do the same thing for ages without actually questioning whether we should be doing it or not so it's always good to be asking fresh questions um I don't know absolutely other any other tips? That you yeah, no, so, so, uh, uh, but this is a very important one because it's it's become a bit fashionable to talk about psychological safety, mm-hmm. and we, we need to make sure that people feel so that it's okay to ask us uh, questions, that it's it's okay to not know, it's okay to speak up, it's okay to challenge, which all and it's all true, but if you sit there waiting for other people to make you safe. You're not going to you're not going to say anything. So the flip side of creating safety is being courageous. Yeah. So you have to kind of look yourself in the mirror and say, "Come on, see, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit there as a wallflower and, and hope that somebody comes and speaks to me. No, I'm just going to have to step forward." So being a leader also requires that amount of courage. And you've got to therefore also be passionate enough to want to make a difference, to speak up, to to do that, haven't you? You've got to be wanting to, you know, be engaged in your organisation to help and to want the best for your organisation um, to, yeah. to do that. And, and and absolutely. So it's it is also about caring about so having that impact, but also maybe seeing more how necessary your voice is. Uh, because um, it's it's always been very important, but it's becoming increasingly so. The number of CEOs that say, well, you know, people are our most important resource, and then they turn around and then they don't really spend any time thinking about the people, or they see them mostly as a resource and not as people. That's why I said, I hate the word human resources, because hmm, double plus ungood, said George Orwell already told us, the words you use have a big impact about the way you think about something, call them human resources, you start treating them like resources. Business people then start treating people like resources. We need to emphasize, treat people like people. We need to engage them. We need to make sure that their competence is that they really want to. And it's getting more and more important because uh, we need to be, not only there's a shortage of, of talent, but our organizations are getting flatter. We need to be more agile. Says mm-hmm. uh, we need to be more innovative, and all of that needs to come from those people. And somehow or other, there's a lot of business people sitting behind their spreadsheet, going, "Wow, where in my spreadsheet? Wow, these re- human resources are very expensive uh, as well." Man. And so they tend to think carrot and stick. 
so bonuses uh, and you know, maybe I can get behavior that way. Well, I think that all HR people know <laughs> that doesn't work. Well, it gives you only a short term kick. You need to have a more human centric organization. Hey, this is all the stuff that we can bring in, but we yeah. have to want to make our voices heard. And so again, and you, you may have to push against the grain as well in that sort of thing in terms of cha- really genuinely challenge the you know it, you're cutting costs there, but what's the long term impact of of doing that culturally or from an engagement point of view or from our employer brand point of view? What's the what what are the risks of doing that? Um, which Absolutely. can be really tricky. The other thing is, is I think often HR if they are able to is and uh, is to be. Um, able to almost hold a mirror up to the leadership culture to create that self-awareness at the top in terms of the culture that's being created and in terms of people being developed. And actually, we can go, I know we talked earlier about development. Just out of curiosity, <laughs> would you, um, if you were to rebrand HR, <laughs> what would you have an alternative <laughs> name? Yeah, no, I, I personally so like people and organization. Yes. Um, be, because that should be the two elements. We look at people as individuals and we look at people collectively and how they work together in an organization. And by calling yourself people in an organization, you also claim and you own it. That's, that's, that's mine. Mm. Um, oddly, 30 years ago, a lot of these departments were called. So, so sometimes they were called personnel in organization. And then under influence of the American fashion, they were rebranded HR that kind of sounded more modern. Yeah. But human resources is an accounting term. And it also, it it kind of, the O fell off. So it was only personnel. and, And so what I've seen during the last 30 years is actually HR departments becoming more and more narrowly focused on only recruitment, retention, kind of getting the right people in the right places. Extremely important, but you need, you have a much broader impact if you also grab the O. And if you don't, who's going to? Because (laughs) no one understands organizations and organizing so if the HR people don't do it, nobody does it. And these types of topics don't come up. And eventually, oh, this organizational change is really difficult. Maybe we need to get some consultants in to make this change happen. And it's because the design and the, and the whole thinking about the organization said was never done. That's a very interesting point observation. I hadn't ever thought about, I see how the personnel became quite dated and it almost gets it's synonymous with people being rather operational. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the HR talk, talk, being an accounting term, that's a, an interesting point. One of my my background is organisational development. So it's, it's it, mm. I always had a sense that I always felt that actually OD should sit HR should almost sit within OD HR in that way as as opposed to you know maybe ODs within HR and not all organizations so um, I I definitely I hadn't thought about how important the label is and I like that term people in organization so I think those of you out there go out and get yourselves (laughs) rebranded demand a new title people in organization director or manager or whatever just because it's about signposting what we're Absolutely. here Absolutely. Brands are everything. A good product does not sell itself. 
So for all of those people who are, or think, well, no, modesty is, you know, it's very good to be modest. All of those people who say that modesty is important. Those are people that are already famous. So it's easy to be modest if you're already famous, but if you're not that well-known yet, branding is extremely important. A good product does not sell itself. So why are all these advertising campaigns for cars and for, for makeup and for, and for all these products, why are they all brand building? Because other people will first recognize the signpost. It's a promise. And then we'll give the product a try. So, so don't underestimate the importance of your brand. Yes, and your personal brand within. So really we're saying, let's think about if we want to be seen as more strategic and we want to lead more and generate more um, sort of a, a holistic organization, have more impact, brand ourselves as people in organization, go out and ask questions. Even if you, I'm imagining you could go and actually ask people, you know, what's the culture in their area or how do they, they ask them, get them thinking about how they fit into the organization. So they're not just thinking about their um challenges about you know how much they're sold or the balancing the books make sure they're thinking more holistically about the part they play in an organization as well that that would be an interesting thing to maybe do more of I'm thinking if I was in an organization right now <laughs> to try and do what what um, else do you think they should do from a point of view of developing of HR developing themselves um to be more effective? well and uh, uh I I always joke that if I go to strategy consultant C firms they generally have a bad strategy, so, and and uh, the, the the shoemaker's children yeah. uh, have holes in their shoes. Well, a lot of HR people who are responsible for talent management don't really manage their own talent, so, and don't even manage their own talent. So uh, let's start by applying some of our own knowledge to ourselves. Say, so what do we need to do to start developing HR talent? Yeah. So, and that starts from the very base, but it's also all the way to leadership development. So how can we look at our own leadership? Uh, by the way, maybe I should give you a link to one of my, my models. I, I have my, my, my leadership competence model says there's really four important competencies that you need to develop. And this is absolutely true for, for HR people as well. First, you need to make sure that you have a leadership circle so that you are connected to all of the people that you want to influence. So reconsider, hey, wait a second, who do I know? Who am I connected to? And maybe you need to start thinking, but well, wait a second, but I can only lead to say, if, if I have that connection, if there's that personal connection, maybe I need to start investing say, in some of these relationships, drink some more coffee, so go out for a beer. Um, so think about your leadership circle. The second it was, we just said that, your leadership brand. How do people perceive you? If you want to be seen as strategic, if you want to be seen as more organizational, so is that my current branding? Mm -hmm. If not, I might have to start thinking about how can I rebrand myself? So that's a little bit of advertising. And that's not to say, you know, you need to do it in a way that you still you feel okay. So if you're more modest, you're saying, hmm, going out there and saying, oh, so, but there's going to be moments at which you do have to stand up during a meeting or you do need to give that presentation in the company. The third area after your circle and your brand is your leadership agenda. So what are the key topics that I need to show my leadership? I can't lead all the time. I can't do everything. But what are the three, four, five key areas 
I need to step up. I need to take the lead to really make sure that it's going to happen in this organization. So set your ambition and set your priorities in terms of your leadership agenda. And the fourth area is if I have so all of those things, I also need to think about my leadership styles. So what is my repertoire of styles? Um, and maybe I need to work on developing my styles a little bit more. So maybe, for instance, uh, I, I tend to be more of the encouraging type of person, than very supportive and being a very appreciative. Yeah, but sometimes I need the opposite style of being more demanding says, and being more challenging. So being aware of your styles, but having a broader repertoire makes it easier for you to lead under different circumstances and with different types of people. I guess also so, it fits into your brand, right? Because your style is and your brand is, mm, are into are, are linked, basically. Yeah, no, it, absolutely. And and here again, the, the pitfall of being very encouraging and being very appreciative, it, the, there's a, the shadow side. Oh, this pushover. So, yeah. oh, you know, she thinks everything is fine. So she's always so nice. So I don't have to worry about so this person. Um, so if, you know... A brand also has that shadow side. Then, so you need to hmm, maybe in rebranding myself. Sometimes I need to, without going over to being too pushy or too tough, but I can be more challenging and more demanding and say, "Hey, come on!" Says so, so I was expecting more. Have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And making sure that the others don't take you for granted. Mm, absolutely. So I can say it links together. So your the model was leadership. The four pillars, if you like, leadership. Um, brand and advertising your brand so people know what you're there to do and do make sure your style is flexible um, and maybe reinforces the brand so that people see that you can do more you don't get pigeonholed um, and also having an agenda with priorities and thinking about it maybe making sure that it's not really narrow and just tactical so if you want to be people in an organization make sure that one of your priorities at least would be culture or, or business is it's a balanced set of priorities rather than one narrow one. Just going back to the leadership one, can you explain that again? I wasn't, I'm not sure whether I've got that in my head. Well, the, the, so that. the very first one was yes. what I called your leadership circle. Circle. So that you have to think about who am I connected with? Ah, and where, and which, which relationships do I need to? Yeah, it's, I, it's maybe you know, just, just thinking, but I can't lead people that I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the leadership is relational. So, yeah. and, and, um, and as we know of anybody who has children or, or, or has as a husband or wife, no, so the more there's already trust there, the tougher you can sometimes be. Absolutely. So build a relationship and within that relationship, now you have influence. Yes, yes. And that's also how you understand the business. So they all feed off each other and how you'll be more credible and, and add value in everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. We'll put a link to that one. So um. Ron, really interesting conversation there. So that's what, if we want to lead more, we could think about all of those areas, particularly with this sort of angle of people and organisation. It's very much about HR uprising. So standing up, being countered, demanding a position at the top, demanding that people um, listen to us. And I think actually you would only demand it if you make sure that you have got a good leadership circle and a good brand and you know what your priorities and their agenda are, because that will give you confidence to you know, ask, this, ask those questions and, and add value. Talked about being bilingual, so being able to be both um, business and organisational and talk commercially and otherwise, and got to talk the right language for people to trust and 
believe us and then introduce our agenda. Um, and in order to do that, we've got to be self-aware about the areas that we need to develop and make sure that it's not just us. You know, we don't just develop other people that actually we create time for our own development because it's not about being nice to ourselves. If we don't do that, then we're not going to be able to add value to the organization, are we? Because we're not going to be the best version of ourselves. So Absolutely. And maybe adding to that that last one, I, I hear so often from HR people, yeah, but that, I need to be authentic. So, so yeah, and that's not me. So, and, and then I think, oh, wait a second, that sounds like uh, when I first came to Holland, I didn't speak Dutch. And I felt really silly the first little while speaking that language. And I kind of thought, well, that's not authentically me. I'm authentically an English speaker. Like, wait a second, no, no, that's not me yet. Yeah. So, so if it feels uncomfortable, it doesn't mean it's not you. It's just you still need to learn that skill. Leadership is not something that is in your personality. Leadership is a skill that you can learn. It feels uncomfortable. So keep on doing it anyway. So yeah. if, you, if you're not feeling uncomfortable, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. I, totally. You're not growing, are you? And I think yeah. being authentic, it's, it's just because it's not naturally you doesn't mean you're not being authentic. You're learning a new skill. You're learning to be a different way. You're, you're authentically trying to be the best version of you and to be the most useful person to your organization. Therefore, you're going to yeah. learn that language or otherwise that that's authentic yeah. as opposed to and, and, you know, sometimes yeah. we have to learn things. Brilliant. So thank you so much, Ron, for coming on the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Um, if they want to get hold of you, obviously, we'll put your LinkedIn um, notes on the uh, on the podcast notes so people can look out for you is there anywhere else that you would signpost people if they wanted to find out more about what you do I, uh, of course they can always you know look me up say, on, on the university website but LinkedIn is absolutely the best to say angle I, I love says, connecting with people over LinkedIn I have a a, a monthly uh, a newsletter I don't spam people but every first day of the month I bring out a new model very short two-pager, I call my my snack. It's, a, uh, it's just a, 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 a model which kickstarts your thinking, inspires you. You can read it in three or four minutes. So, and so if people would love to, so to read that, they can, they can, on my LinkedIn page, they can also subscribe to, to that monthly new, uh, newsletter. And that's how I found you, actually. I take it you don't make these models up monthly, do you? You're not thinking yes. of 12, you're making 12 models a year. Yes, I am. Yeah. Oh, my word. That's quite impressive. <laughs> no, I, I have to admit, I, I do have a, a kind of a backlog of models that I built up during my career. And I'm a, I'm a relatively old guy. So, so and I just started, I've, I just started writing them up. But I'm at number 40 something. But I, I have another 30 still in my backlog. So, okay, uh, so more, more to come. Yeah. Okay, excellent. I have to go back and work from number one now. That's interesting to <laughs> me. Wonderful. Well, Ron, thank you so much for coming on the HR Uprising podcast. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. 
It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.